Hey everybody, I am Josh Levine and welcome to another episode of Private Market Insights. This is our conversation series where we discuss important topics related to the small business M&A industry. I am the co-founder and CEO of Private Market Labs, a new platform designed to democratize the small business acquisitions process. We have some really exciting updates to the platform coming next week. So make sure to sign up for an account at privatemarketlabs.com to try it out for yourself and be among the first to know when we release new features. Um, our guest for Private Market Insights today is an awesome one. He is entering our space with one of the most interesting angles yet. I am pleased to welcome Jeff Driscoll, who is building a whole co while working as an active professional football player, most recently as a quarterback with the Cleveland Browns. Welcome to the pod, Jeff. I am excited to chat with you about your journey into M&A. Yeah, Josh, happy to be here. Um, been listening to your podcast. You've been doing a great job. Honored to be on the show. And uh, thanks for the introduction. Fantastic. So um, to, to kick things off, um, you and I have talked a lot about your long-term view uh, about how athletes need to plan for both the present and the future a little bit differently than other entrepreneurs. So can you talk a little bit about some of the choices and challenges that athletes face as they navigate both your current career and your future career at the same time? Yeah, it's, it's so unique, right? Like you get out of college, and next thing you know, you're making more money than you ever thought you would make in your life in when you're 21 years old, right? And you do that for, you know, hopefully 10 years, 15 years, but for the vast majority, it's a very short time. But the interesting part is you don't know how long it's going to be. You know, there's so many factors that go into how long someone plays, you know, whether it's the NFL, MLB, NBA, um, that are sometimes in your control, sometimes out of your control, that it's really hard to plan for you know, what's next, because you don't know when that's going to be. And you don't know how much money you're going to have in your pocket um, or where you are in your life. So it's, it's a challenge because of all of the unknowns. Yeah. So, you know, I guess you're, I mean, you, we've talked a little bit about sort of like how different athletes are thinking about this process. You know, what are some of the thoughts, you know, particularly, you know, you're, you're an active player, you're thinking about next season, and yet you're also saying to yourself, hey, like, you know, I need a plan for the future. Like, what does, what does your time horizon look like when you're thinking about stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, like, I think you hit it on the head and you did it in order, right? Thinking about next season, that's the first on my priority list, right? Is right. How do I figure out a way to get one more year, two more years, three more years? Um, you know, cause I love what I'm doing. I love playing professional football. Um, you know, it's the greatest job in the world and I hope to do it as long as possible, but unfortunately it's not going to be as long as I want to probably, you know, most guys are told that they're not good enough anymore or their body doesn't work before they decide they don't want to play. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the average career in the NFL is three years, maybe just over three years. Um, and I've, I'm fortunate enough to have just finished year eight. So, I mean, the math says I'm on the back half of my career. So, um, so yeah, along, along the eight years, I've been fired from my job, you know, six or seven times. Every, every time you get cut and you, you know, walk into the GM's office, you know, with your tail between your legs, you know, the, the thought gets into your head is like, man, is somebody else going to call? Is this the end of the road? Um, so I've had thoughts throughout my whole career, you know, what do I want to do next? But in the last few years, I've really started to, uh, you know, put the pen to the paper and, and start taking action towards getting towards getting towards where I want to go, um, which I've really settled on, um, you know,
know, buying small businesses in some way, shape or form. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. You've been a proponent of professional athletes pursuing entrepreneurship through acquisition specifically, right? Why, why this particular angle? And, uh, you know, that let's start there. Why, why is this angle intriguing for you? Yeah. So in the, in the locker room, right? Like there's, you start hearing about, you know, passive income and you start hearing about, you know, making money outside of sport. A lot of people think that's, you know, endorsement deals, you know, things of that nature. But the reality is most guys aren't going to have the opportunity to get life-changing money through endorsement deals. Some guys are, uh, but the vast majority of us aren't. So you start talking about real estate. A lot of guys talk about real estate in the locker rooms, which I think is a great asset class. I'm an investor in the space, thought I was going to be a real estate guy when I was done and, uh, and realized that the operations uh, involved with real estate weren't for me. Um, and then the other one is, is venture capitalism. And uh, you hear that when people are pushing it, you hear the ones that hit, right? The ones that hit huge. Um, but at the end of the day, on an individual level, um, it's, it's very risky. You know, you have to be backed by a lot of money uh, to come out on top in venture capital. And, and obviously there's exceptions to the rule, um, but it's more risky than what I want to, to play in. Um, so I you know, found out about this ETA space a couple of years ago, um, you know, the returns historically are greater than real estate and it's a lot less risky than, than venture capitalism. Um, so I just think as an investment class for athletes who want yield, I think it's a great way, uh, you know, to get, to get some passive income if you want to go into ETA on the investor side. Yeah, absolutely. So is this, is ETA something that, you know, you hear being talked about in the locker room at all yet? Are we, are we, I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, we see the conferences growing in size every year. I was just at the MIT conference last weekend and it was, you know, 30% bigger than it was the year before. Like it has, has entrepreneurship through acquisition, has buying small business sort of permeated that locker room conversation yet? Or is it, you know, still in like the very early, in the very early stages? Not really. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's guys that that do it and don't really know the acronym, right? Like they're investing in small businesses, you know, you know whether they're they're startups or you know they're they're deal or companies that have been around for a long time and they're just being uh, acquired. Um, but I think more more than that, it's it's private equity. Like guys know about investing into private equity funds um, and things of that nature, but not so much on the uh, individual deal by deal. Um, ETA economics level. So I would, I would love to, to play a small part introducing the asset class, the, uh, the economics behind it, um, you know, and just bringing it to, to locker rooms across the country. Fantastic. Um, you've successfully bought a business within the last 12 months. Um, what was that process like for you since a portion of that acquisition happened during the season? Yeah, very much on, on the investor side, right? So I'm not, I understand that I'm, I'm, uh, I can't handle, you know, running a small business, playing in the NFL, um, you know, handling my family. You know, I have a wife and three kids. That's, that's too much for one yeah. person to bite off. So, um, you know, I've talked to a bunch of very successful business people um, across every industry. And one of the biggest pieces of advice I've got is surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And, uh, you know, fortunately for my case, that's not too hard to do, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, I've, I've tried to do that. I've tried to build up a network of really smart people who have been there and done that, as well as uh, younger guys 
like myself who are who are ambitious. So, uh, you know, help along the way has been huge. And there's been so many people, you know, especially in the in the ETA world that have given me little crumbs and uh, leading me towards my North Star. Awesome. What's like a what's a great piece of advice that you've gotten, you know, from your from your close in network and you know, you know, maybe it's advice or support you got from, you know, your team around you, you know, or you know, you said, Hey, I'm interested in this kind of industry or this type of Deal. What was that conversation like? What was some of the most interesting uh, advice you've gotten as you, you started dipping your toe into it? Yeah, I think there's two pieces. Um, you know, the first is just really understanding what you're investing in. You know, under understand the business. You know, understand the business model. Understand the um, the historical numbers of the company, but also understand you know how the business can grow and you know what's a realistic growth expectation. Um, and also understand your risk profile. You know, as I said earlier, there's some guys that are interested in, uh, in getting into the VC world, and that's just not me. My risk profile, um, you know, is not set up to, to lose my, you know, to probably lose my principal. Um, yeah. But I also want a little bit more yield on part of my portfolio than what real estate was offering. So kind of found uh, a sweet spot of my risk profile, what I want to see in terms of uh, returns, but also what I'm interested in. I love the idea of operations of small business. I love investing into local communities. You know, I love to see, um, you know, founder owned businesses go to the next generation and see their clients and see their employees have a, have a great experience, you know, moving forward. So I think uh, that's, that's one really big thing is understand what you're investing in. And also is just sometimes you just got to get in the game, right? Like, so there's, there's both sides of that coin. You know, you, you can get in the game while being educated, you know, even if you feel like, hey, maybe I should wait until I'm done playing, right? Like, you can always have a, after I do this or after I do that, that's when I'll jump in. Um, so I'm definitely biased towards action and, uh, you know, wrong, right, or indifferent. That's that's how I've gotten here. So um, could you tell us a little bit about the business that you invested in and, you know, what is obviously you know now that we're in the off season you can you know think about it in a slightly different way you know what is you know tell us a little bit about that that business and you know how has that transition been as you you know obviously you're gearing up for the season that was priority one but then it's also you know you've got this asset now that is that is operating continuously what what is that like yeah so it's a it's a white collar financial services company and it's, it's very old school. It's a great company. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of the leader in the market, you know, in a relatively small market. Um, very old school with great people. Um, you know, the, the owners were, were passionate about selling it to a group that is, like I said, going to treat the clients, treat the employees, you know, in a way that they're used to being treated and provide a great work environment. Um, but also invest in, in the future, right? They understand that the way that the company has been running for the past 30 years can't be how it's run in the next 30 years. And they have, they were just, they were tired. They didn't have the energy. They didn't have the want to, to get it where it needs to go and where the company deserves to go. Um, so the, the transition has been, it's been fun. There's, there's a lot. And I was, I was telling you pre-call that, uh, yeah. you know, we went through an internal audit after close. Um, to really get some feedback from employees, to understand systems, you know, a paper trail of, of everything that goes on within the business. 
and it really uncovered a lot, you know, the, and the first thing that it uncovered was, man, we have some really great people in the building, which is, you know, something that we knew going into it. Um, but just great reassurance that, uh, you know, the, the people that are in the day to day enjoy what they're doing and are good people. Um, but also getting some feedback with some pain points. Hey, why do we do this this way? You know, the people at the top might not know that this affects me, but when I have to do this task in this manner, you know, it takes away from the, from the rest of my day. So uh, there's, there's so many moving parts to a small business and, you know, it's painful to uncover everything. It, it definitely wasn't easy, um, you know, going in and doing the audit and poking and prodding, but uh, in the long term, you know, it, it'll definitely be worth it. But other, other than the, uh, the initial audit, there's just so much conversations with, with my partner that we get to discuss on a high level. Like I love, you know, we call it our jam sessions or rap sessions or whatever, where we just get to talk shop. Let's talk about five years from now. All right. Well, let's talk about six months from now, you know, well, let's, what, but Hey, we still got to pay the bills tomorrow. So just, uh, you know, working that side of the brain ha has been a blast. And, uh, and yeah, we're, we are definitely in the do no harm phase. Nice. Yeah. I think it's, you know, we talk a lot about like the different phases of an acquisition, right? People will step in and it's kind of just like fire hose of information. Okay. How do I make use of the data that I have? How do I make that data work better for me? How do I figure out, you know, opportunities, you know, three months, six months, year ahead, you know, into the, into the cycle. And it, there's just, I think both like, there's this concept of like, you know, people talk about working in the business versus working on the business. And when you're an SMB owner, you're doing both at the same time all the time. Right. And I yeah. think that that's, that's always so, so fascinating. Yeah. The cool, the cool part, one of the reasons why we picked the business that we did is because my operating partner is not qualified to work in the business. You know, he, he just can't, yeah. you know, when, whenever there's a very technical question of, you know, what's going on, you know, whether it's with a client or whether it's, you know, how do I submit this paperwork? You know, my, you know, my operating partner just basically says, I don't know, ask the person that's in charge of that task. You know, we mapped it out, you know, and that, that's his job. So he, he's in a position where he can really work on the business while learning about what happens in the business, which I think is a unique position to be in. Yeah. And, um, we've got, you know, I'll, uh, I'll put a, we have an interesting comment from, uh, Anthony Fiedler here and I'll, I'll put this on the screen. Um, you know, so mentions that one of his favorite things when, you know, discussing consulting with acquirers post closes, you know, what's one thing that would be a change for the better, or what's one thing that you love that you don't want to change. And I see that the, uh, the question got cut off a little bit in the video, but, um, you know, that's the, the gist of the question, you know, how have you, you know, thought through that employee engagement piece? Yeah, I mean, I think going in and, and really doing that internal audit, we did it through a third party so they could feel comfortable, you know, airing everything out, not feel, you know, be put in a weird position, maybe saying negative things, you know, to the people who just took over the firm. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it was a chance for them to be heard. We wanted to show the staff that, hey, you are heard. We value your feedback. And, uh, and yeah, sometimes these things don't just don't get discussed for years. So it never comes up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, showing that we're willing to learn and willing to make changes that's going to help somebody. I think that goes a long way, you know, for that individual, but also for the business and, uh, and the bottom line at the end of the day. So what's, 
what's next for you in terms of your role within the SMB community? You know, it feels like you're wearing a lot of hats. You've got the investor hat, you've got the sort of, you know, standard bearer, like more athletes need to get into ETA. And then you've got your acquisitions hat, right? You've got your, your own company that, you know, you're, you're working, you're working on as well. So like, what's kind of the, what are the next phases for you uh, in, in those areas? Yeah. You, you mentioned wearing a lot of hats, you know, and earlier I, I said uh, playing in the NFL is the best job in the world. You know, you get six months of off season where, you know, you work out a couple hours a day, you take your kids to school. And next thing you know, you have the rest of the day to do whatever. And I really just enjoy diving into this world as much as possible. If I look at my calendar, it looks different every day. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what I want to design my life uh, after football to look like. But yeah, I mean, I connect with searchers all the time. I connect with lenders. I connect with pretty much every piece of the ecosystem to, you know, pick one nugget or, you know, in some cases now give back to young guys who are looking, um, you know, looking to get into this world as well. Um, but yeah, I want to, I want to connect dots. That's what I want to do. A lot of people have connected dots for myself and, uh, you know, I want to use the platform that I've been given as long as possible, uh, to spread this message to, uh, you know, some folks out there that, you know, feel like they're trapped in their W2 and, and don't have any other options. Um, and especially, you know, to the, to the pro athlete community. What, what do you think translates well from being an athlete and having an athletic career to running an SMB? Yeah. I mean, I see, I see things on Twitter that say like searching for deals right now is the most competitive environment in the world. And I challenge, I challenge that. And I do. It's, <laughs> it's competitive. Don't get me wrong. But I think that the world that I live in in professional sports, there's no more competitive field out there. It's the best of the best. It's the top 1% of the top 1%. Um, they're looking to, to churn every year. They're looking to, to get rid of the older guys or the guys that are on big contracts so they can replace those contracts with younger, um, you know, more athletic guys that are going to take your spot. And, uh, you know, every year the roster in the NFL starts at 90 and it gets trimmed down to 53. There's no other business in the world that's cutting, right. you know, 35, 40% of the workforce every year. And you know, when it's coming. So it's, I, I think that just the competitive nature of professional athletes and high performing athletes just translates so well into not just finding a business and putting yourself in position to, to close on a deal, but also just figuring it out and competing every day. Um, and obviously that's not the only thing you need, but I think having that innate competitive ability, um, you know, it goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, what, uh, on kind of on the flip side, what's something that surprised you, you know, anything about, you know, the, you know, running an SMB that, you know, isn't exactly what you expected. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I talked about, you know, the, the professional athletics world, you know, being, being a very competitive environment. And one of, one of the things that I wanted to do after football was position my professional career where I can be around and work with, um, you know, people that perform on, on very high levels. And uh, the people that are looking for businesses, the people that have bought businesses, everybody in the ecosystem, they're, they're high performing people. 
these people are sharp. Um, so I, I've just been very impressed by the caliber of people that are in the ecosystem. And it's hard to tell on Twitter or it's hard to tell on LinkedIn, you know, how sharp some of these people are. And it's been a real pleasure, you know, to get to know some of them, you know, whether it's via the internet or in person, it's, it's been so cool to, uh, just get to see the pedigree of people, um, you know, that you get to, to do this deal alongside with. Yeah. Um, and then one of the, what was the other part of the question? Oh, just what was something that was surprising in terms of like, you know, owning a small business versus, you know, what you, what you thought it was going to be before you came into the, to the space. Yeah. I mean, I guess just, it's so funny. Like you hear all of these things, you know, in podcasts that, you know, the number one fear of a, of a searcher or somebody who's acquiring a business is everyone's going to walk out of the door. Right. Like that's the number one fear. And on the, on the other side, the number one fear is, am I going to get fired? Right. So it's just, it's just the, the mental battle that you have to have with yourself, you know, and the tension that comes with, you know, the first few days of, uh, of transitioning a business. You know, I knew that there would be tension, but I guess I didn't know how tense it is, you know, when, cause it is at the end of the day, it's people's yeah. livelihoods, livelihoods. And, uh, you know, that's not something that comes lightly, but you know, once you break that barrier and you earn the trust, you know, from your, from your staff, you know, then you can, uh, then you can really start to, you know, move in the right direction. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. Um, so how should other athletes considering entrepreneurship through acquisition as a second career, how should people get started? And, yeah. You know, well, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to go back to what I said earlier, you know, when you asked about, you know, what's a piece of advice that you've gotten from people in your network Yeah, and, um, you know, really understanding what you're investing in. Um, so what I did, and I don't know if this is the best thing to do, but what I did, you know, about a year and a half ago or so when I settled on, uh, you know, getting into the ETA world was I got to educate myself, right? Nobody's going to do it for me. You know, I don't have two, two to four years to go to business school to learn this stuff while I'm still playing. Um, so what do I do? So I Googled it, right? What's the best book? And I've, I found, you know, buy the bill. That's probably, you know, the first book that the bulk majority of, uh, you know, people in the space read. I read that book. I get on Twitter. Hey, I just read buy then build. What's another book, you know? And then it's the, uh, you know, the Stanford, the Stanford book. Um, so I read that one and then, you know, I, I make a couple tweets and those tweets turn into conversations. And then you meet that person, you tell them what you want to do. Hey, you should talk to this person, this person, that person. And next thing you know, your web just grows and you have all these 30 minute intro conversations and, you know, coming, Coming from the, uh, from the NFL world, I had to figure out how to use Google Calendar and send uh, email invites um, and, and get that going. But uh, just the more that you can expand, you know, you have, to, you have to be willing to teach yourself. People aren't gonna pour into you unless you're, you're, you show that you really want it. Yeah. Um, so just figuring out a way to educate yourself, figuring out a way to get in front of the right people and, uh, and just staying at it. You can't just, do it for a month and expect it just to, to, just to happen. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's great advice. And that's advice that, you know, whenever we engage with searchers, we're also giving very similar advice. It's, it's really one of those classic, you get what you put into it kind of an industry yeah. where, 
you know, if you see a deal that you like and you follow it, follow it with the broker three times, you're much more likely to get access to an NDA and a SIM than if you reach yeah. out once and then just say, oh, I yeah. didn't hear back. Let's uh, let's give up on that one, right? It's your, yeah, it's a, it's a numbers game, right? In every in every aspect of this world, it's a numbers game. And then uh, I will add one more touch point. So I've listened to a bunch of podcasts like this one, and uh, you know, a lot of times if there's you know a guest that I resonate with, or hey, I wish I could ask that guy this question. Everybody in the ecosystem is super approachable. Yeah. I've had so many conversations with guests on podcasts. And I reach out to them via Twitter, via LinkedIn, via email. And, you know, probably eight times out of 10, I get an email back within a day and we're on the phone in, in two or three days time. Um, so just the, the willingness for people to, to give back is, is something that I, I never saw coming. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, you know, really reflects this community really well. And you mentioned something about, you know, finding people on Twitter and, and how, you know, people on Twitter are even sharper sometimes in person than they see oh, yeah. online. And there's this element of, you know, we're all kind of playing this public persona of an ETA person on Twitter, but people think really deeply about this. And there are a lot of people who, you know, there's kind of the classic person who's quiet on Twitter and then just has a lot of really deep insights that they'll share with you one-on-one. -on -one. And, you know, that recommendation system, getting involved in the community, you know, peeling back the layers, say, oh, you should talk to this person. Great. I'll talk to them. Like that, that compounds on itself, you know? And it's, yeah. I used to think, I used to think Twitter was so dumb. I really <laughs> did. I, I was just like, why would I meet, try to meet somebody on the internet? You know, it's, I just, I did. I thought it was dumb. I was like, why did, why did you post that? And nobody wants to see that, but they, people do, people read that stuff. That's how I learned a lot of information was through Twitter and through threads and connecting through people on Twitter. You know, I used to tell my wife, Hey, um, you know, have a call in 20 minutes with so-and-so. She said, "Who's that? How'd you meet them?" And when I when I first got going, I would like cringe and say, "Uh, Twitter." And she'd look at me like, "What? I met some talking to some dude on Twitter, you know that you met through Twitter." But now it's it's commonplace, and uh, yeah. you know there there's some really good connections that go that turn into deals being done with each other through a simple Twitter DM or comment or whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause my questions here and see if anyone in the audience has some additional questions for Jeff. Um, obviously, we're we're seeing the chats come in, so whatever platform you're using, please uh, submit your questions and uh, we can answer them here. Um, and uh, as everyone submits their questions, um, I have I have a couple more that I uh, I've already prepped. So um, yeah, fire away, Jeff. Yeah. So, um, what's something you're looking forward to, you know, obviously we're now at the end of February, I've been asking this question for a couple of months and it was more of a year, a year looking forward, but what, what sort of this 2024 look like for you in the acquisition space? You know, what are you looking forward to and you know, what are you seeing coming down the pipe? Yeah. You mentioned earlier in the, uh, you know, in the introduction that, you know, I'm aspiring to build a holding company, right? Like right now the holding company has one piece of a business in it. Right. So I got to, my, I'm looking forward to really figuring out how to go after deal two, deal three, deal four. What does that logistically look like? What types of businesses do we want to go after? Um, so just really, you know, figuring out the exact model and how I want to approach going after deals in the future is something that's, you know, it's not easy. There's, yeah. there's a lot of different ways to do it. And, uh, you know, I want to put myself in the best position, um, you know, to kind of capitalize on the pieces that I've put together and just figuring out how to put those together in the best way possible. 
Yeah. So I guess strategically, what are some of the avenues you're you're thinking about so far? You know, you've talked. I think we've chatted a little bit about. Okay, you've built like your your team around you. You know, y'all are all working together to find businesses. You know, partnering with other investors. Like, you know, what are some of the things you're thinking about as you look for that that next business? Yeah, I mean, there's there's some low hanging fruit, right? Like, I could go invest in a searcher, right? I could. I could find somebody that I think really is talented and I think, Hey, I can provide a little bit of a value add here and, um, invest in their deal. You know, when I'm done playing, I could go be an owner operator. Um, you know, there, there's other ways outside of, you know, SBA land where, you know, you can get involved in pulling together capital and pulling together resources and going after a bigger type of deal. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to skin the cat, but, but right now, my focus is just building out the infrastructure and getting the pieces um, and then figuring out a way to use those pieces in the best way. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, we're, we're just sort of scratching the surface of, you know, we see that, you know, I think there's some recent data that showed up, you know, Heather Anderson posted some really good data on SBA loans over the course of the last few years. We've seen some interesting data, um, you know, coming through across the ecosystem, the number of SBA transactions for acquisition are, are, have been relatively stable, um, you know, up to stable, stable to up, I mean, over the last couple of years, yeah. and this is at a moment when, you know, private equity in general, hasn't been, you know, has seen some dips or, you know, venture capital has seen some very large dips, yeah. you know, it's a testament to both the, um, socioeconomic, you know, demographic waves that we're seeing with the retirements of small businesses, plus, you know, the way that you know, our industry is encouraging additional transactions through creative deal structuring, seller financing, things like that. So, you know, particularly, you know, hope, the hope is that as we get into 2024, we'll be in a position to say, you know, the economy is a little bit better for an acquisition now. How do we capitalize on that? You know, I would, you know, whether you'd love to, I'd love to see, you know, this be the start of, you know, more athletes getting involved and investing in more deals and, you know, seeing how this could be a, a great avenue. You know, there's this, we, we hear a lot about, you know, some, you know, very famous, you know, like Magic Johnson and his, you know, um, you know, young brands, franchises and things like that. And it, it doesn't have to be, you know, buying, uh, you know, or buying a hundred Papa John's and paying yeah. Vegas, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be that we can, you know, you can make fantastic returns off of a portfolio of small business acquisitions like this. And I think that, yeah, I mean, it, and yeah. it, it really doesn't even have to be a portfolio, right? Like yeah. it can be one, it can be one business and you can be the owner operator Yeah, and you can put your heart and soul into that business and you can grow it. You know, all, a lot of people in my networks, like, you know, they own a construction company or they own a landscaping company or they own whatever company, right? Like companies that you didn't think could, you know, be what they are. Um, but over a long period of time with the right people doing it the right way, you can grow these things to be really good businesses to one day exit or one day, you know, pass it down to your kids or whatever you might be. And uh, I would love to see some of those, some of those folks, you know, be former football players that, uh, could say, Hey, I heard Jeff on a podcast and, you know, I reached out on Twitter and said, what the heck does ETA stand for? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We're, we're, we're perpetuating the cycle of a podcast to, uh, to support right here. Uh, yeah. I love it. Um, awesome. Well, I think that's a great way to, uh, to wrap up the conversation. Um, 
But uh, Jeff, thank you so much for for being here. Uh, really appreciate you being on the pod. I appreciate the work that you're doing to to bring entrepreneurship through acquisition to a wider audience. In this case, an audience of extremely capable, competitive, and motivated professional athletes. Just really exciting as a you know a sports fan and as an advocate for the space. You know, just thrilled to have you on. Um, and uh, you know, anyone who has additional questions, you know, like Jeff said, reach out on uh, to either of us on Twitter. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for having me. And thanks for what you're doing for the community, Josh. Um, you know, even people who don't reach out or anything and just listen to the podcast, it, it goes a long way. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it helps someone like myself get started. And I'm sure it's, it's doing that for a bunch of other folks even today. So again, thanks for having me. Awesome. Y'all take care. See you, Josh.